Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and we are so blessed to have you today in the House of Faith with us. You know, we've been in a series for weeks, maybe even months now, talking about the anointing. And there's such a desire and a hunger in our hearts to know more about the anointing. One of the greatest things you're ever gonna find out in your life is what God has anointed you to do. And today we're gonna start a, a new message in this series. We're calling it a fresh thing with God. You know, you have this thing in you that God himself put in there and it's this thing that craves freshness. It's not just a preference, it's an actual desire and a craving and we crave that even with God. We crave a freshness in our relationships with people. We crave a, a freshness in our life around us, but the freshest thing that we could crave is this, this fresh relationship with the Lord. So we wanna talk some about that. It's gonna take us several weeks to get through the, this one message, but I want you to watch this. I want you to listen to this. I want you to be blessed by this as you crave this fresh thing with God. I'll be back at the end of this message. You ready to get into the Word tonight? Put up Luke chapter four, verse 18. We're gonna look at this every time we talk about the anointing. Luke chapter four, verse 18. You're familiar with it. Jesus is standing in the temple. He was handed the scroll and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I'm wanting you to see these things as one and the same. The spirit of the Lord's on me. He's anointed me. What for, Jesus? To preach the gospel to the poor. So evidently, being poor is a burden, it's a yoke, and Jesus is anointed to destroy it. It's not any kind of blessing in disguise or otherwise. It is a burden and a yoke, and Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. What else? He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So a broken heart is more than just a sad feeling. It's a burden and it's a yoke. And it's one many, 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 many people are living with day in and day out with no idea what to do about it, broken on the inside. Why do you think the scripture told you to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it? Anybody remember? Flow the issues of life, the forces of life. So a broken heart, there's a break like Sarah has taught before. There's a break in that flow. You don't want a break in that flow. You want an unbroken heart. You want a heart that's been healed by the anointing that's on Jesus. Amen? So a broken heart is a burden and a yoke, and Jesus is anointed to lift that burden, destroy that yoke, to proclaim liberty to the captive. So being held captive by anything is a burden and a yoke, and Jesus is anointed to lift it. Can you see a pattern beginning to form here? To, to preach recovery of sight to the blind. And any blind person would tell you, this is not a blessing. This is a burden and it's a yoke. But let me tell you what's worse than natural blindness. You know what it is? Spiritual blindness. That's way worse. That's why Paul prayed that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. I like the Amplified that says flooded with light. Blindness not being able to see, not knowing what's coming, not knowing where you're going, not knowing what you're tripping over, not knowing what you're falling into. All of that is a burden and it's a yoke. And praise God, Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. And he's anointed to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Any oppression of any kind, 
And that's what Acts 10 said. He went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed. That's a burden and it's a yoke. I don't care if it's sickness in the body, sickness in the mind, sickness in the heart, sickness of the spirit or the soul, whatever it is, it's a burden and it's a yoke. And Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. I heard an amen. There, there it was right there. All right, we can start with that. Did you find Psalm 92? Let's go on in this tonight. I'm excited about it. Listen to what the psalmist said here in verse 10. To really understand verse 10, though, you kind of got to know what's going on in some of the verses before it, the verses after it. He's drawing, if you will, like a line in the sand and comparing us and them. What do I mean by us and them? Us, I mean those who have Jesus, know Jesus, those who are in fellowship and relationship with God, them being those who don't and those who aren't. Now, I know everybody in this room and probably watching this broadcast right now, you know that there is supposed to be a difference, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, you get that? Yes. There's supposed to be a big difference between us and them. And we're going to find out what this difference is, but he talks in the verses leading up to verse 10 about how the wicked flourish. Everybody say flourish. flourish. Talks about how they flourish. That's not a thought we really like, but it's true. There is a flourishing even for people that don't know God. And sometimes you and I as believers and those who are in faith and trust in the Lord, we see what's going on in other people's lives. We're thinking, I know that guy and he ain't loving Jesus and he's not walking with the Lord and yet he's got everything I'm believing God for. What's up with that? There's a flourishing there. And, and sometimes it leaves you scratching your head, but be very watchful that you don't envy that because he's clear here in Psalm 92. He says that when the workers of iniquity flourish, it's that they may be destroyed forever. He says they flourish like grass. Grass. How quickly does grass come up? Like real quick. I mean, you can mow your yard today and in just a few days, you got to cut that stuff down again. Why? Because it's quick. It comes up, it comes up, it comes up. But Jesus told us, he said, the grass is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. He said, it is gone. It is done. So that's what that flourishing is like. But on the other hand, he goes on and talks about how the righteous flourish. And we won't read all this. He talks about us. Somebody say us. Yes. Flourishing like a palm tree, like a cedar in Lebanon. That's different than grass, right? What's the difference? One word, strength strength. Grass, it may spring up quick, but it can't hold nothing up. It can't hold anything up. But a tree, it takes longer to flourish, but it can bear fruit. And there will come a time in the life of that tree if it continues to flourish where its strength is not easily overcome. But in verse 10, you see the dividing line and what makes us different. What does he say? My horn you have exalted like a wild ox. Mm, shout amen, somebody. What's that even mean? My horn you have exalted like a wild ox. Let me read it to you from a different translation. I think this is the Amplified Bible. He says, my horn, emblem of excessive strength and stately grace. That's what the horn is. He's talking about his strength, this emblem of excessive strength. 
I don't care how strong you are physically as a human being, you're not as strong as an ox. Don't you think it's funny? We use that expression, man, I got strong as an ox, strong as an ox, strong as an ox. Well, are they really? No. But what's the psalmist saying here? You have, you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. What's he saying? You've increased my strength. Isn't that the difference in the way we flourish? Strength is the difference, right? You are increasing my strength. How did he do it? Read verse 10 again. My horn you've exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. I have been anointed, he said, with fresh oil. The anointing is the difference. This is the difference between us and them. And, it's, and I mean that literally. It's the difference. We are Christians because of Jesus Christ, that word Christ literally meaning the anointed one and his anointing. We are partakers of that anointing and that anointing is what makes us different than everybody else. This anointing is what makes us different. But I want you to notice here, this is what I want to build on tonight. He said, I've been anointed with what? Did you catch it? Fresh oil. You watching tonight online or all over the world on broadcast, what do you say? Fresh oil. I've been anointed with fresh oil. Fresh. Somebody say fresh. If I were to set up a table out here tonight and on one side of the table, I've got a bowl of fruit that's just bright, beautiful, just kind of just effervescent, glowing, just it, it, almost like just dripping, you know, it's just fresh. It's just just in off the tree in the backyard or whatever, you know, it's just brand new and fresh. And right on the other side of the table, I've got some other fruit. Now, same fruit. Maybe, maybe it's a bowl of apples here and I got a bowl of apples here. But the difference is I've had these a while. As a matter of fact, I think maybe we bought them, you know, four or five weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago or so. And we found them in the back of the drawer. Now they're both apples, right? But you can imagine, without even looking at them physically, you can imagine how different they would look and how easily you could tell the difference between something that's fresh and something that's just been there a while. So which would you pick? If I had to let you, if I said, pick an apple, they're both apples, but pick one, every single one of us, would you go to bright red or dirty brown. <laughs> now, I'm not opposed to the color brown, but just not on my apples. You know what I'm saying? Which would you pick? Fresh. Of course you would go towards fresh. There's something in the human nature that gravitates towards a freshness. We like something fresh. We like it in our food, right? We like it in our coffee, Amen? I knew I'd get an amen right there. I mean, we've got some professional coffee connoisseurs around here. And I mean, if I had a pot that just came off the whatever, I don't know, you guys know. Or I had one that has been sitting there for a few days, maybe a week. This both, both of them a pot of coffee. What do you go for? Fresh. You go fresh. There's something in us that wants fresh. Sarah and I, we've been blessed to travel and, and 
and uh, seen some awesome things. And there's this one particular place we have just so enjoyed vacationing. And uh, we've been there over the last several years and it's this little island. And on this island, they have this restaurant and it's become our favorite restaurant in all the world. And we've eaten some food in different places and we've had some good stuff, but this place, I'm telling you, this place. I mean, just imagine it if you could for a minute. It's like open air. There's a, the whole, a whole side of the restaurant is open and it just looks out at the water, the ocean. In the distance, there's another island and the sun sets right behind that island in the summer. And uh, the food is so good. And it's not just the food, but it's the atmosphere. There's, every time we've been, there's this guy and this girl playing instruments behind us. And they're like back there playing sting songs on a harp and a flute or something. It's just really bizarre and different, but it's so amazing. Am I telling the truth? It's so good. And um, the, one of the things that's really cool about this restaurant is it's farm to table. Have you heard this expression before? Farm to table. Well, one of the waiters told us one of the last times we were there, that one of their goals in this restaurant is to have it on your table in four hours or less from the farm. So what you're eating that day, most of the menu was picked that day or caught that day. And the waiters will say, yeah, this, this fish this morning was caught right there. Just point out into the little bay where it is. Folks, that's fresh. That's really fresh. Now I've had fish but then I've had this, right? You've had fruit, but then you've had this. Freshness makes a difference. The reason I'm saying this to you is because I believe that freshness is not just a preference. It's not just something we innately prefer. There is something God inborn in us to desire it, to crave it. We crave freshness. What happens when the fresh wears off and then something stale enters in? What happens when, when that occurs in a relationship, in a marriage, in a friendship, in a dynamic at work, in, in any kind of connection at all. What happens when something that started off fresh, man, that started off vibrant and colorful and alive and living, and over the course of time, it just got stale. It got kind of old to you. It's the same people. It's the same people. It's the same people that stood there and said, I do. It's the same people that you went to work for however many years ago. It's the same people. It's like it's apples and apples, coffee and coffee. But what happened? Something got in there and the freshness went away. But there's something in us that knows to crave that desire, that long and hunger for a freshness again. Amen? Now, where this is most dangerous is when this staleness, if that's even a word, gets into your fellowship with the Lord. And I'm not afraid to tell you, it has at times in my life, because I know it has in yours. I know it has. I know the times in my life when my relationship with him was fresh. I know it. I, for me, and it's not the same for everybody, but for me, there is a, a, a tenderness when 
when there's a freshness in my walk with him, there's a tenderness and I'm, I'm not ever too far from tears. I remember years ago doing a series of meetings, a conference, our Behold conference that we did there in Alma, Arkansas with some friends of ours in their church. And we had a series of meetings over three days. And I'm telling you, I think it was because of the prayer that went into it and the fellowship with each other and the Lord. And we were a team doing this thing together. And it just ramped up over the, the, the course of the conference. And by the end of it, I, I, I was a mess. I was a mess. The presence of God was such a reality to us. And, and I've been there and you've been there too, but I've also been there when it was just like, you know, just stale, not, didn't feel like it was alive. And I'll be real honest with you. I have, I, I've been talking to the Lord even in the last few weeks, last few months, Lord, I'm, I'm hungry, hungry for a freshness with you, hungry for a fresh encounter with you because it's in there. And he put it in there, that hunger and that craving for something fresh. Tonight, I'm talking to you about having a fresh thing with God. I don't know if that's a great title or not, but that's what we're going with. A fresh thing with God. And what's interesting about this, again, don't disconnect what the anointing does. The anointing, the anointing is a strengthener, right? How do I know that? Ask Samson. We, talk, we talked about this a lot. Samson, we don't know anything from the course of his life in Scripture. There's no indicator whatsoever that his natural physical stature was massive and huge. I know that's the picture we have in our minds, but there's nothing in the Scripture that indicates that. All we know is that four or five times throughout his life, the Spirit of the Lord moved mightily on him. That's what it says. And what we found out through the course of our study, we looked at the life of Saul, the first king of Israel. And when he was anointed, the prophet Samuel anointed him. And he said, this is what's going to happen when the anointing comes on you. You're going to be turned into another man. And that's what the anointing does. He said, you're going to be turned into another man. You're going to prophesy. And the reason that's so significant is because the chapter before that, 1 Samuel chapter 9, we find out that Saul is very insecure. He's full of fear because Samuel said to him, you're going to be the king. And Saul said, why are you talking to me like this? My family is the smallest family in the tribe of Benjamin. This is the smallest tribe in the house of Israel. Why are you talking to me like I'm somebody important? Can you hear the insecurity in that? The fear in that? But when the anointing came, Samuel said, this is going to turn you into somebody else. And you're going to prophesy. Can you imagine finding the most insecure, shyest person in this room, pulling them up in front of everybody and handing them a microphone and say, prophesy. Go ahead, prophesy. Talk to us. Tell us about the future. <laughs> but he was turned into another man. Same thing as what happened with Samson. The Spirit of the Lord would come on him and that strength would come up in him, turned into somebody else. Don't disconnect what we're talking about in this fresh thing with God. Don't disconnect that from what the anointing does to strengthen you. When our relationships are at their freshest, we would characterize them as strong, wouldn't we? But when that staleness has gotten in and we're just in the mundane and just in the day-to-day, -day, that's when our relationships are at the weakest. And we talked about this as a staff the day we began our television ministry. So two years ago now, something like that, 
We sat in this room on those couches and we got together as a staff. These lights were on, these cameras were rolling. It was the thing that God had called us to do. And finally we're doing the thing. You know what I mean by that? Just, we were so excited about doing the thing that he's wanted us to do for so long. And there's something just, even naturally speaking, kind of cool about this. You know what I mean? TV lights and cameras and just the, the thought of something going out all over the world. There, there, there's something that day, especially a freshness to that. We're excited about it. But we sat down as a staff and I warned everybody. I said, be careful because we're about to start doing the thing that we're going to do for the rest of our lives. And what you have to watch out for is repetition. Now we're going to do this and we're going to do it over and we're going to do it over and over and over again. And these cameras are going to come on and these lights are going to come on. And hey, everybody, welcome home. You're watching Legacy Television. We're Jeremy and Sarah Pearson's and we're going to say that thousands of times. And if you're not watchful, repetition will try to drain you of your passion and your freshness. And think back in your walk with the Lord when it was the freshest and you opened the word and it was just living and it was speaking to you. And then for whatever reason, some time went by and it's the same word and you're looking at the same scriptures, but there's not that freshness. You've got to be guarded over what repetition tries to do to you. There's, an, there's a thing in you that craves a freshness and a strength in your relationship with the Lord. And there's an anointing available to keep this relationship fresh. Are you following me? Is this making sense? Did you find the book of Acts chapter three? In Acts chapter three, I guess it would help if I found it. Acts chapter three, just begin in verse one. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. And why was he there? To ask alms from those who entered the temple. So let the word of God and the Holy Spirit here paint a picture for you. There's a man laying at the gate. How did he get there? Somebody carried him there. Somebody had to pick him up and put him there. How long has he had this condition? Well, since he was born. He was lame, it says, from his mother's womb. And they would lay him there. And what's he doing there? Asking alms. So what else do you know about him? He's poor. He's crippled, been so his entire life, and that disability has produced a poverty in his life, and he's laying at the gate of the temple asking people for money. Verse 3, it says, Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms, fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. And I like this, verse 5. So he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. 
Now, I don't, I don't know what kind of faith was present. I doubt much, but I just like the way this reads. Gave them his attention, expecting to receive something. You attend to whatever you expect to receive something from. And this goes right back into injecting this freshness back into our walk with the Lord. When you open up the Word of God, you begin attending to it, attend to it like you expect to get something out of it. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith. 